This podcast was recorded Thursday, March 9th at 4.02 p.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like the federal judge will move quickly to sentence two men convicted in a $61 million bribery scheme. Uh, not likely. It's going to take months. Months. The wheels of white-collar justice do move slowly. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters who shrewdly operate in the shadows until they get exposed and then convicted. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. Two and a half years after the indictment, after seven weeks of testimony at the trial, a federal jury has found former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and former state Republican Chairman Matt Borges guilty of bribery and racketeering. That's right. It took jurors all of about nine hours to reach the unanimous verdict. They agreed with prosecutors who said the householder coordinated and Borges participated in a $61 million scheme to get householder elected speaker, pass a billion-dollar bailout of two nuclear power plants, and then defeat an effort to repeal that bailout. After the verdict, U.S. Attorney Kenneth Parker said householders sold the state house and Borges was a willing co-conspirator. He called the verdict a victory for Ohioans. You cannot sell the public trust. You cannot sell the public trust. It is not for sale. And you cannot conspire with others to sell the public trust. Householder leaving the courthouse said he absolutely will appeal. I think that uh, the justice system is what it is. And there's a process. This is one step to the process. And we're going to utilize every process we can in the judicial system until we get it right. Householder's co-defendant Matt Borges maintained his innocence after the verdict and also promised to appeal. I did not believe that anything proved that I had committed in, that I had engaged in a, a racketeering conspiracy, which is why I fought this from the beginning. This fight is not over, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know really what else to say at this point in time, other than. Uh, we'll move on and take it to whatever the next step is. There you have it. Guilty. Quickly, Steve. Nine hours is pretty short for a t- trial that lasted seven weeks. Yeah, uh, certainly a jury of Matt Borges's peers disagreed. They thought there was plenty of evidence that he tried to bribe a political consultant who was working to overturn the law that prosecutors say Larry Householder pushed into law thanks to $61 million in bribes from First Energy, Um, So uh, I was surprised at the quickness of the verdict. I I think that as soon as we heard that a verdict was in uh, very early on Thursday afternoon, I thought it was not a good sign for Householder and Borges. I thought that the jury, uh, when they, in my mind, when they come to a decision that quickly, it's not a good sign. And um, here we are now we're awaiting sentencing. And, you know, like we said, the wheels of justice move slowly, but they are moving here. And so this is a victory for prosecutors this is a victory for opponents of the Larry Householder agenda. This is a victory for all the people he has alienated as a uh, a hardball politician, as he calls himself. And um, this is this is really a, a remarkable moment in Ohio history for Larry Householder and Matt Borges to be found guilty of leading this massive bribery scheme. Yeah, jurors agreed with prosecutors that this was not just hardball politics, that it was not just Larry Householder's strong advocacy for a policy issue he said he believed in. 
And when you offer someone $15,000 for inside information, it's illegal. Uh, so, it, you know, when you go way back to the, to the early 2000s, and Larry Householder was investigated for some shenanigans at the State House, and that investigation went nowhere. Then he comes back, that huge comeback. He became Speaker. And now the prosecutors got a second crack at him, and this time they got the conviction. They got the indictment, first of all. Then they got the conviction. So it really has been a, a decades-long saga, a decades-long battle between prosecutors and Larry Householder. So it is really an incredible moment. You're right. Yeah, they face up to 20 years in prison. I can't imagine any scenario where they would get 20 years, but um, I, I think that the odds are that they are going to prison at this point. And, you know, it came out during the trial that prosecutors had offered Borges a plea deal, plead guilty and, you know, cooperate and get six months in prison. Borges fiercely denied committing any crime. Um, now he faces years in prison. Um in, in hindsight, it looks like their co-defendants, Juan Cespedes and Jeff Longstreth, uh, made the right decision in cutting a deal and presumably will get lighter sentences. I, I, You know, Larry Householder is, he has a bit of Donald Trump in him, and I think that he's not one to publicly admit anything, really. Um, you know, he, he will still maintain his innocence, um, but uh, <laughs> in hindsight, maybe they should have taken a plea, but uh, there is still an appeal. So who knows what will happen? Yeah, my guess is that they never offered Householder a plea deal unless he was willing to do right. 10 or 15 yeah, you're years. Probably right. But Borges certainly was offered it, came out, and he, he, sounded, he sounded pretty defeated in that, in, sound, in that sound clip that we have, as, as you would if you've been found guilty of corruption by a, a federal jury. You know, looking at the trial and the, the testimony, some of the key moments, what made the difference the secret recordings, which we will now get a chance to hear, I believe. The judge said he was not going to release them until after the trial was over. We should get to hear these recordings now, but they, they had to have had a big impact on, on those jurors. Yeah, you would think so. The, it, it, it seems like it was damning evidence. It was among the strongest pieces of evidence that prosecutors had. Um, certainly the, the cooperation of Juan Cespedes and Jeff Longstreth uh, among those really strong pieces of evidence, as well as pictures of Larry Householder, um, he, he still maintains that they, they were not him, but they were uh, prosecutors say they were pictures of him uh, being wined and dined uh, with First Energy executives. Um, I, I, you know, we've been covering this for months, but I, I really don't think I can over, overstate the watershed moment that this really is in Ohio politics. This is a massive story that I, I really don't think got enough enough play nationally. Um, you know, you had the the, the then sitting Ohio House Speaker indicted for bribery and you know then he gets expelled by his colleagues yeah, he, and now he's found found guilty this is a, an incredible story he refused to leave they had to kick him out and they had right. to wait until he started his new term before they could kick him out it was real it's really been an incredible ride and he has a lot of confidence let's put it that way and he right, felt right. he could get up before those jurors and tell his side of the story and persuade them that he is just a good old boy politician just fighting for Ohioans, and he didn't do anything wrong. He just thought that the plant should be saved to save jobs, to keep Ohio's energy portfolio diverse, and there was no quid pro quo. They were just political contributions. In the first day of his testimony, he may have swayed them, but then the prosecutors got a crack at him. And unlike when he was talking to journalists, where he can avoid questions, not answer questions, not answer them fully truthfully, you can't get away with that when you're on the stand and you raise that right hand and you could go to prison for not for, for lying. Yeah. And in true Larry Householder fashion, he was a bit flippant with reporters 
outside after the conviction, they said, what do you do next, Larry? He said, well, it's almost time to plant some vegetables in my garden. I mean, that's, that's, cla- that's classic householder. And um, the, the road forward is, is pretty complicated. There are some high, high profile politicians who have been convicted of corruption and then have eventually won on appeal. Former Alaska Senator Ted Stevens, former Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, um, that case decided by the U.S. Supreme Court, raised the bar for prosecutors to win corruption convictions. So, you know, we are sort of assuming at this fact that Larry Householder is headed to prison, but we, we really should not. There is a chance that it's overturned on appeal. Well, the way federal court moves, he'll be able to plant his vegetables and then harvest them before he even gets to the sentencing hearing. But that's, that's beside the point. Uh, this case is not over, of course. First Energy, the utility from Northeast Ohio, admits that it bribed the former head of the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio, Sam Rendazzo. Rendazzo has not even been indicted yet, so he could be charged. He could have a deal worked out because it's odd that he has not been indicted in this case. First Energy has pleaded guilty as a corporation, but none of its executives have been charged. And of course, corporations don't bribe people corporate executives bribe people. So you wonder if some of those folks will be will be charged, indicted or perhaps plead guilty as part of an arrangement. And, you know, there has been the the faintest amount of smoke that I mean, I don't even want to call it smoke, certainly no fire when it comes to Governor Mike DeWine's connection to this whole scandal. Uh, He appointed Sam Randazza to the PUCO. And when his spokesperson was asked for comment after the conviction on Thursday, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but I think essentially they said Governor Mike DeWine respectfully says no comment. So um, who who knows where this case goes from here? It, it could lead to major changes in Ohio politics. I mean, uh, two years ago, or I guess I guess three years ago at this point, it looked like Larry Householder was the guy in the Ohio State House, and now he's a convicted felon. And so th- there's really a lot that could still could happen here in the coming months or even years. Yeah, remember this this whole this whole investigation started when prosecutors or the FBI was investigating sports betting. So we don't know where that is. Maybe they're still looking into that, but they they were looking at sports betting and they stumbled upon this and they chased this to uh, success and as far as prosecutors are concerned in two convictions. But it, you're right. We cannot state it enough. This is a historic day. The speaker, former speaker of the Ohio House found guilty in a $61 million bribery scheme, the largest scandal in Ohio history. Really a remarkable moment. Um, and I'm sure listeners can tell right now I am over Zoom. I am at my house because we had to re-record this podcast because it is because we are naive and we originally recorded it this morning, and so now we are recording an updated version. The more I talk about this, the more flabbergasted I am that this happened. And... Um, We'll continue to follow it here at WOSU and around the state of Ohio, and I'm fascinated. You know, I, I I always say that I'm here for the political nonsense, but I really am almost speechless. It's 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 incredible that this has happened. It really has opened a window on, as to how politics uh, is done here in Ohio, and you have to assume across the country. It is uh, it opened a window into the steamy side, and we will see if uh, any change comes of it, and it just shows how money can influence politics. We'll be right back. This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies. 
Welcome back to Snally Goster from WOSU Public Media. You know how we often say things may have changed by the time you hear this? Well, that happened hours after we recorded last week's show. The abortion rights amendment that is planned for the fall ballot took a step forward. Yeah, it was a mild surprise. One day ahead of the deadline, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost accepted the abortion rights amendment's summary language. Oftentimes, this language is rejected and groups have to rewrite it and resubmit it. Well, not this time. And even though Dave Yost is an opponent of abortion rights, he said his role as AG is to follow the law, not decide if the amendment is good or bad policy. He says the law required him to approve the language. So now the proposed amendment goes to the state ballot board, which will determine whether or not it contains a single issue. If they say it does and they sign off, supporters then have until early July to collect about 414,000 valid, verified voter petition signatures in order to get the amendment on the November ballot. So good for good for Dave Yost. The snolly gostery move would have been to kick the can down the road and give them less time to collect these signatures by denying their first ballot language, but he did not do that. No, I do. He was he was writing to the petitioners, so the folks who support this amendment, saying, I have to approve this because this is the law. But it was that message was not directed to the supporters of abortion rights, but instead directed to the opponents of abortion rights, who he relies on in Republican primaries to say, look, my almost, hands, almost apologizing for my hands were tied. This amendment is written well. I have to follow the law. So that's why I approved it. So I think it, you know, it, it was that amendment. We're not lawyers, but we both thought that it was pretty well written, pretty clear. But I thought that maybe he would find some phrase right. that was ambiguous and send it back. But Just because it, it would help the anti-abortion folks by doing that. It would shrink the window they have for gathering signatures. Yes. But, uh, good, good for Dave Yost, I guess, for following the law. It's pretty, pretty low bar that we have. Anyway, time now for our Snolly Goster of the Week Award, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the week. This week, it goes to Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, who continues to try to fix something he has repeatedly said is not broken. What? LaRose has said Ohio's election system is very secure, but he's still pushed for requiring photo ID for voters as well as a lot of other voting regulations. Last month, he proposed the state clarify and standardize the way election data is organized, shared, and stored. He said there is a crisis of confidence in election security. Last week, he was at the conservative CPAC conference where he sat on a panel with election deniers. The panel discussion was titled, They Stole It From Us Legally. LaRose claims he did not pick that title and that CPAC changed it after he agreed to participate. And now LaRose is threatening to pull Ohio out of a national bipartisan voter registration program. It's called ERIC. Just last month, LaRose called the system one of the best fraud fighting tools for finding people voting in multiple states. To me, it's a tool that uh, has provided great benefit for us and we're going to continue to use it. So, again, that was just a few weeks ago. Why the switch? Well, he joins other Republicans who have singled out Eric's founder, who worked for the Pew Charitable Trusts, and billionaire George Soros, the businessman at the center of some far-right conspiracy theories. Why the switch? Why threaten to leave a system that's been a great benefit? Why participate on a panel called They Stole It From Us Legally? Well... Frank LaRose is said to be considering running against Sherrod Brown for the U.S. Senate next year, and he will have to get through the Republican primary to get there. So he is straddling that fence of saying, we're, I, I'm not saying it was stolen, but 
Other people say it's stolen, basically yeah, he, is what he's saying. I, I said to you off tape this morning, he's a slightly more interesting Rob Portman. Yes, he's who trying is to very, please everybody. Very conservative, but he is always trying to straddle the fence. So Frank LaRose, for threatening to pull Ohio out of a system that you said was working great, you are our Snollygoster of the week. That will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR Network. As always, be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast, and please just tell your friends about us. For our student producer, Katie Genius, and our digital producer, Michael Devonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media.